With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It wasn't a, an act to, to screw anybody. It was really just to try and make affairs. So um, I apologize to, to everybody involved and, and uh, you know, definitely will get involved ever again going forward. High Limit Room, episode six, live from the road. Myself, Dylan Welch, Brad Sweet, and Kyle Larson all uh, all over the country, I guess, right now. I'm on the West Coast in Portland. Kyle's in St. Louis getting ready to continue a busy weekend, and Brad is uh, getting ready to go for a weekend of racing in North Dakota and Minnesota. Uh, let's start off with a victory toast. I'm drinking water this week in the ho- straight out of the hotel faucet because it's uh, 9.50 a.m. out here. So, uh, But cheers to Kyle on another high-limit win at Tri-City, and then, of course, Brad at Atomic uh, with the Outlaws last weekend. Well done, boys. Uh, Brad put the moves on Kyle in turn one at Atomic and drove off <laughs> into the sunset for another Outlaw win. That was uh, that was fun and exciting. little family uh, family feud there on the front row. Yeah, I was, I was closer in turn one than I thought. Uh, I just thought I would be able to drive, like, more drive to the cushion, but I actually, like uh, – kind of like dropped my left rear and like kind of backed it into the cushion. So, uh, felt like it was probably closer than it, than it needed to be. Um, but yeah, it was kind of just survival of restarts. Uh, we had a good car. Uh, it was hard to see when you kept lap traffic, but, um, you know, track that, that track is tricky and, and, uh, pretty technical. So, um, just happy I was able to get the win, uh, you know, starting on the front row next to Kyle, it's never easy. So, um, yeah, it was cool to, to get our nap auto parts guys, uh, in victory lane, they uh, they work hard. And Kyle took the dice roll, of course, at, at Tri City. Uh, a man of his word, despite some persuasion and uh, and some convincing, but came from eighth and uh, and finally cashed in on the dice roll. So uh, I want your honest opinion now, Kyle. Did you still think it was possible coming from eighth, or was that something you did just to appease Brad and, and kind of appease the race fans? <clears throat> no, I definitely thought it was possible from eighth um and it would have been possible from 11th too but man that would have been tough starting on the inside sixth row um you know i don't think paul was too happy about me taking it from eighth so i he would have been really upset uh from 11th so um but no i I knew the track was gonna be really racy or i was hoping it was gonna be really racy but um man starting the inside row i I would rather start 12th than 11th um but no, it was a uh, it was a lot of pressure on myself to to win, because um, Paul probably would not have been very happy had I not won. <laughs> How tough was the cushion in, in three and four? We saw a lot of guys kind of get tripped up by it, but um, 
you were obviously pretty good up there, but it, it looked like it was pretty, pretty treacherous. Yeah, it, it was. And even when I was up there, I didn't really mess around with the, the technical part of the cushion, you know, right in the center where it got to the wall. Um, you know, once it got to that point, I kind of gave up on trying to do that. You know, when I was behind Parker, he was still committed to it. And, uh, I would try and just kind of run momentum, you know, through the, through the middle and pick up the cushion on exit. Um, and then, yeah, obviously when he flipped running up there, um, and and Rico had been running up there, I was like, well, I'm not going to get a run on him following him. So I got to try something different and was able to look at the track and see there was a much safer line on the bottom and hopefully a, a faster one too, if you could hit it right. So just kind of plugged away at the bottom of three and four and, you know, hammer the top behind him and one and two and was hoping I could stay close enough to him uh, through one and two to, to be able to capitalize when he made a mistake, which he, he did um, a couple laps in a row and, and um, was able to get by. Brad, you guys have nailed the track prep. I think all, you know, every single race that we've had this year, it seems like, but um, I'd imagine that that Wednesday night was, was pretty tricky just given the heat. It was kind of windy. Sun was out um what uh what challenges did you guys you know have just to kind of get the track in a you know good good condition to to get going for the night yeah i mean the kevin gundaker there uh you know does a great job and you know had a had us a great track to start with i wasn't really involved in that at all just kind of keep kept an eye on it but he seemed like he had everything really under control um you know we when we, when we packed the track we got lucky uh the sun was out but but it, we had a couple of clouds kind of come right over and, and block the sun for hot laps. And that was actually really crucial to, to kind of save the track through qualifying. Um, you know, so it was minimal work to be honest. Um, you know, just before the A there, we were looking at, you know, we needed to speed the bottom up to try to create a second lane and turn one and two and three and four. I thought we actually needed to kind of water the top a little bit, you know, cause the bottom and middle kind of was already there. Um, and I didn't want the, the track to turn into two, you know, too much one lane on the bottom of, of three and four if the cushion got too high and tricky. So we just missed at the top of, of three and four. Uh, we, we've got a lot more aggressive with the bottom of one and two to try to, to bring that second groove in. And and then, uh, you know, so it, it was minimal, um, you know, just just good decisions right there at the end to, to allow for some good racing and uh, that we packed the cushion down and, man, it took off. It was it was two lanes. Um, you know, there was lots of grooves. It was technical. So hats off to, to the Gundakers for giving us a great racetrack and um, you know, obviously hats off to the racers for, for putting on a good show. Yeah. Track was good all night. Had a track record in qualifying had um, I counted, I think it was close to 10 guys that were under the, uh, the old track record. So uh, a lot of fun to, a lot of fun to watch that in qualifying. And, and then of course uh, good racing throughout the night. Um, all right. So let's talk about uh, heat race. Number one, the incident with Rico where um, he thought the race was over as the leader went to pull off the racetrack, yellow comes out, um, and decisions were made after that, put Rico back in line. Kyle stopped on the racetrack to explain his, his thoughts on it. Uh, and he was moved back to second. So, uh, Kyle, let's, let's start with you and get your perspective from the cockpit, um, of, of just kind of what went down there, why you did what you did and, and just kind of then after that, what happened? Yeah. Um, I mean, first off, obviously I know, you know, it was the wrong thing to do now and in, in the moment, you know, the, the immediate moment, um, you know, I just felt like Rico was about to be done unfair. You know, I think 
from from my seat, you know, I was running second and the sun was in an awkward spot there, kind of low off of four directly behind the grandstands and kind of behind the flag man. And, um, you know, for my seat, when we when we crossed, I guess, which was the two to go flag as as I was going underneath it, I was like, man, that didn't really look white. And then so then I was paying more attention uh, the next time by and still it's tough to see. And I was like, man, that looked like a solid flag again. So maybe that's the white. And then, you know, Rico slowed down. <clears throat> so I looked at the scoreboard in one and two and seeing we were lap seven and, and kept going. And, um, you know, then the caution came out and um, you know, I could hear the receiver, you know, where they were trying to figure out where to blend them in. And, um, you know, I just, I, I just nowhere that you race a sprint car anyways, do they wave a green flag or, or a, a flag in general at two to go. So I think a lot of times as, as drivers, when you see a flag wave, uh, you seem, you assume the first flag waving is the white flag. You know, you can't really tell what it is. And then the second flag is the checker flag. So I understood why Rico was slowing. And in the moment, I just thought that that was unfair because, you know, the flag man had not described to anybody what his process was. I thought, you know, had there been a driver's meeting where he's like, Hey, you know, I, this is how I do things. I would have been more understanding with Rico slowing down. So I thought I was doing explaining the stop and explaining that, you know, Rico is about to be done unfair. I thought the moment was the right thing, but I think it was just a, a lose lose situation all around because in the moment too, I don't, you know, I'm not thinking that it's screwing Sanders behind, behind him. You know um, I just thought it was in the moment was the right thing to do, but optically it, it looks so bad. Um, you know, when I, when I'm competing and racing and then making an officiating, uh, call i guess so um i feel terrible i mean it, it wasn't my intention at all to screw anybody it, it was actually just to to help make it fair and make it right but um you know i know going forward just to which i i do i don't really get involved in any competition stuff even during the week so um i just felt like it was a a moment where i needed to kind of explain what was happening because i don't think officials you know race director anybody besides me in that moment knew kind of what was happening. So, um, you know, I feel bad for, you know, everybody, um, especially Kevin and Justin and, um, you know, it wasn't a, an act to, to screw anybody. It was really just to try and make a fair. So, um, I apologize to, to everybody involved and, and, um, you know, definitely won't get involved ever again going forward. <laughs> Justin Sanders, Justin Sanders was added to the dash. Uh, he was, he was the ninth car added to the dash. So, um, you know, did, did at least get some laps there and, and an opportunity to, um, to try to advance and, and kind of try to make up for, for ultimately maybe something that did hurt him in the heat race. Brad, you shared your thoughts on the flow broadcast, um, which I, I thought you were, you were very transparent, very open. Um, but I want to get your perspective again, you know, now, you know, kind of from the 30,000 feet, you know, a couple of days to process everything and, and just kind of uh, your side of it and, and what happened. Yeah. I mean, I've ran the scenario through my head, you know, multiple times. Uh, you know, I, it was just one of those moments where, you know, it all happened way faster than you ever think, you know, you think you're going to be able to make, you know, really good decisions all the time. And, um, you know, I think our, you know, from our standpoint, I couldn't see the flag, man. So we were confused uh as to why rico was slowing down did the flag man throw the checkered flag we we just didn't know 
uh, you know, so Kyle kind of stopping to clear it up actually seemed like a good idea at the, at the time, you know, because like maybe he saw something that we all didn't, but um, you know, looking back on it, obviously, you know, we learned from that and, and we, and we're, you know, going to move on, but um, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a weird situation. You know, I'm not sure, you know, I think we we're going to make the right call. Um, you know, I think Spridge and uh, Tommy Estes, who's kind of the lead official, uh, you know, we all kind of just, you know, basically said, I, I think it's a, a yellow where you just have to blend Rico where he was going to be, which was third. And I, I think that was, I think that was going to be the right call. So, you know, I have a lot of faith in, in those guys to make good calls, you know, so everything moving forward, you know, obviously we learned from this and, and, uh, you know, I support, you know, where I, you know, if they ask on a start or something, but, but they run the show, um, you know, Tommy's kind of our lead guy and, and he runs the show. So, you know, um, it was just a, it was a bad situation. Um, you know, a, a tough situation, uh, because we just don't, we want fair, fairness and transparency, you know, all the way around. And, uh, you know, it was like, it was almost like it, it came back to bite us, you know, trying to maybe be uh, a little bit too fair or, or too involved in the, in the situation. So, uh, live and learn, uh, we're, we're you know, we're going to move on and we're, we're young and we're ambitious. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those things that you learn from and, and do better next time. And, um, you know, I think Tommy, uh, you know, makes great calls and, you know, I think we were going to make the, the right call. So that's that. And, um, like I said, we're, we're excited for Eagle. We'll, uh, we'll go there and we'll, we'll do a, a better job. Kyle, I want to talk to you too, kind of just about the opportunity that you have to chase a national title. Now, um, you haven't really gotten a chance in the past to go full-time points racing with sprint cars just because of your schedule. You've obviously won the last two now with high limit, um, points leader by, I think it's over 30 now. Uh, how exciting is that for you to, <laughs> I know, but it, it's cool, right? You know, to, to have an opportunity really to, you know, to go after a title, I think, you know, it's, it's something you, you've enjoyed so far, right? Yeah. I mean, for sure. I think even though it's 11 races or whatever, it's still kind of fun to have something else on your mind during a race, I guess, you know, I think I don't get to feel the pressure of, what Brad feels, um, 90 nights a year racing points. Um, you know, I think, you know, I show up to race a sprint car race and I'm, I'm out there just hammering the shit out of it. Every lap you're trying to get the best finish possible, which so is Brad. But I think when you're racing for points, you have, uh, an, a, a longer goal in mind. So, um, getting a little small glimpse of, of that, you know, throughout 11 races, it's fun. Um, you know, like points weren't on my mind at all, uh, the other night, you know, really just winning to get that extra money. Uh, so Paul wasn't mad at me was, was the main <laughs> thing. So I was probably more win it or wear it mentality on Tuesday or Wednesday night. But like Wayne County, when I, when I saw sunshine was upside down, I was like, all right, yeah, don't mess this up now. Don't, uh, don't give up any, any points or anything like that. But, um, no, it's cool. And, and, um, I think you know, winning in our series pays a little bit more points, I think, than the other series. So um, you still want to you still want to race hard to get those wins, but you also got to finish to uh, to get to get the points. Who's who's a, second and third in points? Like who's who's right? Who's who do we got to worry about? Macri, I think yeah, Macri, Macri and Rico. And yes, I think that's right. Rico. Yeah, now, Rico's been it. consistent. Rico's been super consistent this year. He's been tough. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's been good. Kyle, I have yeah. a serious question because I, I genuinely don't know the answer to this. When you win, 
like, where is that money coming, coming from? Is that like your money back into your pocket? Is it sponsor money? Like how, like, how does that work? Brad, Brad can answer that question. (laughs) Uh, like as far as Kyle, I mean, he's part owners in, uh, you know, like our promotion group, but you know, we, we basically have to sell the tickets and, you know, we have an agreement with flow and things like that, that, you know, that pay these purses and pay for our series to get up and down the road. So we write Paul Silva a check. And I think Paul Silva actually writes Kyle a check for his race winning. So, you know, yes, he's a part of the, uh, promotion, you know, group, but, um, yeah, I think he gets his money from Paul. So Paul's no joke. When, when Paul wins that extra, gets that extra money, we're, we're definitely writing that check, uh, <laughs> out of our pocket. So yes, in a roundabout way, it actually costing Kyle. Yeah. Uh, I would say I don't think money. I made any extra money with the dice, the dice thing, but <laughs> <Yeah>. Paul did. <laughs> Paul, Paul did, and and if you would have wrecked or something would have happened, man, you would have uh, you would have been in big trouble. But but uh, Phil Durst does support support us, support our series, and uh, we put his name on that Durst dice roll. So you know, there's there's a little bit of a you know a little bit of money that's in that you know that, that goes towards that. So uh, it was fun that that someone finally actually got some of that Durst dice roll money. Yeah. Is that, I mean, do you think Brad going forward, seeing somebody just do it and, and be successful at it, does that entice more people moving forward to maybe be a little bit more risky and try it? I I think it's just, it's so hard to win these races nowadays. Um, you work really hard to get on the front row. There's very few guys, you know, uh, Kyle Larson or, you know, it's just, it's hard to go back to your car owner or to your, and tell them, you know, that, that I moved back. So, you know, it was fun to see Kyle do it. I, I think that we're going to still have to find creative ways for, for other guys <laughs> to do it. Or I think we'll probably, I probably like the idea the best of if the front row doesn't take whatever's on the dice, we just allow whoever's starting in that position to go for it. At least it creates a, you know, a little extra excitement, you know? Um, so I think that's what we were probably gonna, gonna kind of do moving forward is, is let the front row still do the dice roll, but you know, um, if it's like a three or four, I feel like someone might do it. And that's, that's kind of exciting. Uh, obviously we, we don't want Kyle to take all the money, but, uh, he, that was the first time he's, he's been able to part a part of the dice roll. And, uh, you know, I think eight was, was the perfect number. I think that was honestly really exciting to watch. Um, you know, had he been on the front row, I think it, it would have maybe not been, you know, as good a race as, as what we saw. So I think it did everything it needed to do. And, and Kyle, and Paul made a little extra money and obviously hopefully it does entice someone else to, to make a little extra money next time. I think, yeah, fun, I think fun too, to like, I think we talk about like points and stuff and I don't know if it gets too gimmicky, but you know, I think you look at like Anthony Macri or somebody who's, who's close to the points lead. And as it gets approaches later in the year, if like down to the final event, you know, they have, they're only shot to win the points is to say, say you made the dice number, double points as well or something you know they would give them an opportunity to like they would have to take yeah. it to go you yeah know, maybe to go try and win a championship yeah yeah maybe you could get like a you know uh it's like i don't know what is it one is it like two points per car you know maybe we maybe it's double points if you take the the roll you know per car you pass so you know um maybe you can gain some some points back but you know that's something i, I don't think you can kind of maybe make that move uh, in the middle of the season, but you know, next yeah. time, next season or, or something, I mean, this is the inaugural season. So we're, we're writing a lot of notes down and, and learning a lot of lessons and, you know, trying to create, you know, 
uh, a little more excitement entertainment next year. So I think that'll be something that, that we could do that on Tice drivers is not only is there money, you know, maybe there's a points reward too. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. That'd be fun. Uh, Macri is second, Avery third in points, by the way, Brian Brown and Justin Sanders top five. Uh, Kyle's points lead is 37 quick math. I think. Um, How so, about Danny Dietrich? Danny Dietrich I, from Pennsylvania leading, leading some laps. That was kind of yep, cool. Was, like that was P- a the, that was a much PA needed was what, improvement. Yeah, PA was like the top three for a minute. I thought that was kind of cool because you, you typically, I mean, PA guys, uh, you know, typically it will run good on bigger tracks outside of Pennsylvania, but like a little littler track. I mean, obviously Macri running thirty four. Brent Marks has been around a while, but then but to see Danny Dietrich, uh, you know, kind of with that that gas group. Uh, you kind of come from where they were at the beginning of the season to lead laps. I thought that was pretty cool to see all those those three guys all kind of battling for the lead up there in the you know in the in Illinois, you know, way far away from Pennsylvania. I thought that was pretty neat. What ultimately was it that that they broke? Do you, does anybody know? I think Danny uh, dropped a cylinder and was trying to pull left, and I think Brent clipped him, and then like I think Brent's front end was broken and went in the three, and yeah, you know, Brent claps the front end, and he. So he was done, unfortunately, because I think those guys would have been more challenging for Kyle to, to get up there. I think that would have been a better race had they stayed in it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, that's uh, that's Tri-City. Um, four races down here with the Highland Sprint Car Series. We're back in action uh, next week at Eagle, the return of 410 Sprint Cars to Eagle. I feel like this race, you know, is maybe one of the ones or maybe the one on the schedule this year that people are most excited about, right? I mean, there's, there's a 250 grand races, but everybody's excited to go back to Eagle. Um, why is that? What about that place? And Kyle, I, I'll get your thoughts on this first. What about that place is so cool? What about it makes people so excited to, to see 410 sprint cars back there? Oh, I think, I mean, I'm sure there's a number of reasons why I think, probably you know fans for sure you they haven't seen a 410 sprint car race there i think since 2017 maybe um i I could be wrong on that but it's been a while so um i think that is probably the main reason but then it's also a great racetrack you know it's a it's a pretty small you know track boring really exciting racing typically that you see there um each end is different um so yeah i think it's going to be a great time you know i only got to run there once and then uh, I guess that was in 2017 um, with with Ricky and I believe Matt Wood at the time was was coning the car. So um, yeah, I'm excited to go back in the 57 and um, you just have a good time. Yeah, the racing's been great, like you mentioned, every high limit race. Um, your track prep's been amazing. So I know they're gonna nail it again, and it's gonna be a great show. The crowd's gonna be packed. I know a lot of pre-sale tickets are have been going. So. Um, I think it's definitely the most anticipated event of the year. And uh, the one that I've been looking forward to ever since we kind of started talking about this series over a year ago. So um, I'm excited to get there. I made a lot of laps there on the old Saturday night speedway PlayStation yeah. two video game. It was uh, <laughs> it's a cool place. Uh, Brad, what is on your, what is on your radar for, for this place? What, what kind of things are, are you, you know, keeping your eye on just as, as you kind of look ahead to next week? Um, you know, I just, I think the excitement's there, the anticipation's there from my standpoint, I want to make sure I get in there and work with Roger Hayden, um, you know, make sure that we get the track, you know, 
dialed for these guys. Um, I think it's crucial. Uh, you know, they, they typically run 305s and they run a lot of them. So having four 10 sprint cars is going to be kind of, you know, something different. So uh, we're even f- flying the uh, famous low morale from Chico out to, to support, uh, you know, so we're, we're really excited to get out there and, and uh, you know, create a really good racetrack for these guys and, and hopefully, you know, let them put on a show. So it was 2017. Last time we were there, Kyle stunk the show up in the in that 17 car. So that's the last time. It was a great race. It was, it was a great race. I think that's why the anticipation's there, right? Last time there was, you know, Kyle put on a, a heck of a show and uh, the outlaws, you know, it was a great show. You know, everyone was battling and, and Kyle came through in that 17 car. And, uh, I'll never forget that. That was, that was a, a great race. I think it was Darren Pittman. He was battling. Yeah. Uh, I feel yeah, I got like coming to the white last yeah, come to the white. So yeah, it was a great race, but that's that's a great racetrack. I mean, it's small, high banked. The the seating, you know, is like kind of up above. Um, you know, just a lot of potential there, and and I think those fans in in that part of the country, you know, love four ten racing, and they're just they haven't had they haven't been able to see it a lot. So uh, excited to get there. Hopefully, the fans really come out and support it, so we can keep coming back and and maybe even build some bigger events in that area. And then, like I said, we're we're gonna try to make sure that we get the lines, you know, do as good as we can for the fans and also, you know, put on a, you know, do the racetrack as good as we can. So the racers can put on, put on a good show. So that's, that's my goal anyway. Yeah. I like how Kyle buried the lead there. You know, he's like, I haven't raced there since 2017, but he didn't say anything about his win until you brought it up. <laughs> that was a, that was a great race, Kyle. That was, uh, that was like about as good as it gets. Yeah. You passed him all four on the top, right. Coming to the white, he led like the entire race or something, led 29 laps and you, snuck by him i've probably watched that video (laughs) especially after the race i bet i watched that video five times a day for three months like it was i mean it was just one of the most exciting like wing sprint car wins to to date at that point that i've ever had and uh that was such a cool day like the whole story of that like i i wasn't supposed to race and i think the day before i was like man ricky you know what do you think? Like pull down a second car. And I, I come and come and run. And he made some calls and did it. We booked the plane, um, flew. I, I brought David Farrow with me. He hadn't wrenched on the sprint car since probably being with Brad and, uh, brought him with me. Um, I think Owen was with me. I don't know if Caitlin and JP were there, but, um, flew in, mounted the seat up, uh, raised one, um and then like a big storm was coming in and we had to get out of there like asap or something to uh to get home in time and we we literally like just beat it by like two minutes or something i think it was the duty hours or something we just beat the duty hours by like two minutes to to get home so um yeah it was just a cool one i mean i remember my heart was like maxed out pegged i couldn't even like breathe or talk in victory lane worse than i probably was at tri-city so um, it was just a race that I'll never forget. And, and uh, a memory, you know, too, that was, that was Ricky's and, and Matt Wood's first, you know, world of outlaw win as a team owner too. So, um, that was definitely a special night. What memories do you have there, Brad, of you, of you racing there? Anything, anything stands out? <laughs> that was, that was the, ra- the only race I've ever raced at Eagle was that, oh, okay. was that night. So, so my memory is Kyle getting in a car that was, struggling extremely bad that season and uh willing it to a win which uh what we've seen him do many times is, is take a card and do something that no one else can do with it so um 
I remember the track was awesome. Um, I mean, it's aggressive. Like, you got to be up on the wheel and qualifying. It had some character that night, from what I remember. It had, a, had some kind of a little, little bit of holes and, and stuff and a big cushion. But, um, yeah, I just remember Kyle winning. You know, I remember I remember Owen being there, and, and I remember Kyle winning. And uh, we ran okay, but uh, that's about all. All right. I want to, uh, and again, that's next, that's Tuesday, June the 6th, uh, tickets available, highlimitracing.com or through, uh, ticket Hoss. You can, uh, get in there. And if not, of course you can watch it live here on flow racing. Um, I want to talk to you quickly about, uh, the end of next week, start of Ohio sprint speed week, uh, with the all-stars, which of course you can watch here on flow racing, Attica, Fremont, Wayne County, Sharon, Atomic, Eldora and Portsmouth. Um, and and Kyle, I don't know. Are you? I don't know how much you're racing, if at all, during during Speed Week. But um, there's a lot of those around the country this time of year. Uh, what's the challenging part of of Ohio Sprint Speed Week, and and just being being good in those races? Yeah, I don't plan on um, doing any any of that this year. It's it's during our off week in NASCAR, so I've been grinding pretty hard and want to just kind of relax. But um, I've competed in Ohio Speed Week a lot and and i love it it's uh you know as a guy who just shows up in, in races it's not too tough on me but man the mechanics it is a grueling week you know of, of hot weather late nights early mornings and just on repeat every day so um you know it, it's a lot that goes into it but it's fun you know the, the crowds are always great you know campers falling around I, I love speed weeks you know ohio speed week and that usually Typically, I think it rolls right into Pennsylvania Speed Week. So, um, lots of racing this time of year, and and uh, great racetracks, great competitors, and um, you know, fun to get out there and, and race multiple nights in a row. Brad Eldora is at the end of Sprint Speed Week, uh, the sixteenth of June, last race before the million for the Sprint Car guys. How closely do you pay attention to that um, as? uh you know a fan of it but obviously as a competitor in the million you know later on this summer well, i mean definitely eldora you, you always pay attention to but the fact that we have a million dollar to win race i think we'll definitely you know be watching the racetrack to see kind of it, it does build characteristics typically uh you know during a year that that kind of stay consistent um so definitely kind of see you know if they're they're you know, faster on the top, faster on the bottom, you know, who looks good and, and why they look good. You know, you always are trying to figure that out. So, uh, certainly, uh, the millions, the millions is always on our mind. So, uh, we'll be watching June 16th, uh, for sure. Yeah. And that, uh, that all starts on Friday. So after, uh, after we go to Eagle Ohio sprint speed week with the all-stars on flow racing, June 9th through the 13th, a day off, and then they finish up, uh, the 15th through the 17th. All right. Uh, last thing before we get everybody out of here, hold them or fold them. Um, I have a couple things I want to talk about. I'm holding this upcoming schedule of, of dirt racing because as we talked about busy time of year, us at Eagle next week, Ohio sprint speed week, Indiana midget week, Eastern storm, Houston's high bank nationals, $250,000 to win. And that's just the month of June. We haven't even gotten to July yet when of course the millions happening and everything else. Um, it's a good time to be a dirt racing fan, but I think, you know, Brad, if you're a driver too, it's and, and Kyle too, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot to be excited about this summer. Yeah, this is this is uh, the biggest year for sprint car racing in the history of sprint car racing. So uh, as a driver, it's certainly, uh, you know, basically you circled June, July, and August on your calendar as 
whether you're going to make money or have a good season. And so uh, I think it's that time right now. So uh, I'm excited for these next few months for sure. Kyle, are you, uh, are you ready to go? You ready to show up and take some more money? Yeah. I mean, I don't get to race as much as Brad and all, all these guys do over the next you know month or so to get ready. But yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm for sure ready. I think you know, Paul and I read, we're like three for seven already this year in, in sprint car races. And, and, uh, I think we're even close to like the top five in money earned <laughs> in seven races or so. So thanks uh, to the high limit series. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool. <laughs> it, I think, I think teens and, you know, everybody can, can look at that and realize that uh, the money's out there. So, uh, but no, it's been fun. And, and I feel like we've been getting our car better and better each time we, we hit the racetrack. I felt like tri city was, uh, and, and I mean, I know the tracks way different and the dirt's way different, but I felt like, really good all night like more grip than i've felt um in any race in, in a long time so um i hope that translates to other racetracks bigger racetracks slicker tracks you know as brad mentioned because eldora's on your mind with the millions so um but yeah no it's uh it's been fun this year and then look forward to all the racing i got upcoming and um you hopefully dial in our car and even more for for all these big races coming up yeah, a lot of fun. Catch a lot of that, of course, right here on Flow. Uh, I am folding the Granite City broadcast booth into a million pieces with a bulldozer because <laughs> it had no air conditioning, no ceiling. It was like 110 degrees, it felt like, in St. Louis on Wednesday. And it was not fun to call a race from. So I am, I am, I want that thing gone next time we come back. It was, it was not, uh, <laughs> Not ideal. Ridge was but. saying they had like a scooter lift or something, but he was too heavy for it. So. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he got he got on there and it, it wouldn't move. He had to get off. Yeah. He had to come had to come stand in the uh, stand in the booth with us. Um, you see it all sometimes when you travel the country and, and get to do sprint car races like we do. So, um, all right. Uh, as we said, Eagle next week, June the sec or June the sixth. You can watch on Flow Racing, of course. If you can't be there, tickets available through Ticket Hoss and uh, at HighLimitRacing.com. Guys, thank you, Brad. Good luck this weekend. Doubleheader for you guys, North Dakota and Minnesota. And Kyle, uh, you're racing, I guess, tonight, right, with the late models and and uh, and then, of course, NASCAR at Gateway. So um, good luck, guys. Hopefully we'll do another Victory Toast next week. And, and thanks for watching. This has been The High Limit Room, Episode 6 on Flow Racing.